On today's episode, we talk with guest Connor Wakefield of Whitetail Drifter, the Whitetail Drifter. Howdy, and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is October 29th, 2019. I'm your host, Eric Clark. What's up, everybody? Hey, thanks for coming back. If you're a first-time listener, I appreciate you tuning in. If you're a repeat listener, I also appreciate you. I don't want to discriminate. I appreciate you all, too. Um, this is a really, really, really fun episode. I've had... Um, to my knowledge, and maybe y'all can correct me, but I think Connor is my first repeat guest. There might be one other that I'm not considering, but to my knowledge, it's either one other and him or it's just him. So that's a big deal for me. I try to always bring new and exciting folks on, not to say Connor's not new or exciting, um, but it's really a special episode because I had the opportunity to have him on the show uh, last year to talk about shed hunting or earlier this year, one or the other. And then I went out and hunted with Connor in the driftless region of the state, and he's called the Whitetail Drifter. So I hunted the driftless part of the state, drifted with the Whitetail Drifter. I just think that's pretty neat. But additionally, he really understands deer hunting at a level that I think we can all learn something from. So this is a pretty valuable episode. Um, I'm really excited about it. So it's just a special episode for me. Anyways, before we get into the show, call out to our sponsors, BackwoodsGrind.com, Backwoods Grind Coffee. If you check out their coffee, I always recommend starting with their sampler packs because you can try a number of their blends for a good price. But if you've had their coffee and you want to save some money, um, the two that I've enjoyed the most are the Fireside and the Camp House blends. I had some camp house before I recorded tonight. That's why I'm up late doing this. So uh, if you want to save some money and experience some of the energy that I have or a fraction of it, because I, I guess I'm energetic naturally, but the backwoods grinds like, you know, fans of flames, I suppose. Uh, you can enter in code W2H podcast and it's going to save you 10%. So go ahead, check those guys out. Their coffee's great. If you're a coffee drinker, I hope and assume most of us are, um, you know, support a coffee company that is run by good people and uh, they give back to conservation. So take a look. Additionally, whew, I'm out of breath. Additionally, Gumleaf USA, gumleafusa.com. These are gumleaf boots. These are rubber boots, hence the name gumleaf. It's where rubber comes from. There are no other boots like this on the market, period. And they are not in big box stores for a reason. So by going in big box stores, they would have to charge you more by going direct to consumer through channels like this, like this podcast, they can give you a better price. Now, granted, their products are more expensive than what you're going to find in a traditional boot, but these are not traditional boots. These are not mixed with synthetic crap produced by some shit company like all of them are. They're all put through the same manufacturer put with the same synthetic stuff that breaks down these gum leaf boots are the real deal there's not other boots like them 
And the boot that I like the most that they offer is the Royal Zips because they zip down and they don't get stuck in your on your feet. So you're not sitting there doing the one hop wonder, just inviting a face plant into the party. Um, they're easy on, they're easy off. They go up higher than their average boot, so you can go into deeper water. This rubber does not puncture easily. If it does, it's 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 so densely made that it will fill the hole. And they're more robust, and they can last longer. So you're paying more, but it's getting you more legs out of the season. So look, if you haven't heard of them, I highly, highly recommend going to check them out. On their website, they have a video of how they're handmade. These are not like other boots. So huge shout out. The comfortability of these things, the durability of these things are unprecedented. GumleafUSA.com, code W2H2019 is going to get you free shipping. All right. So that's my uh, call outs for our sponsors. Let's go ahead and get into the W2H Rut Club Radio. All right. Look, I know this beginning part of the show is kind of heavy on the ads, but that's how this stuff works. If you listen to podcasts, that's the name of the game. But these are sponsors that I know personally and I love and I use their shit and I like it. And I wouldn't do it if I didn't. If you've all followed along on the show um, throughout the years, you've known that I had run zero sponsors for a number of years. So it's taken a lot for me to be convinced to put sponsors on and I really believe in them. So this segment, the Rut Club Radio, is brought to you by Heated Hunts. Go to heatedhunts.com and you can check out their products. They give the steepest discount. Um, this Rut Club Radio really is a really great segment to try to get our finger on the pulse of what's happening with the rut. And it's an exciting segment. I really uh, enjoy it. It's a ton of fun. So if you want to call into the Rut Club Radio, it goes from 6 to 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time every Tuesday. And you can call and report rut activity. I know that a lot of us actually in the woods. Daylight savings time is coming. So I think that's going to change after this coming weekend. But if you want to save some money on some of their gear, you can enter in code W2H podcast and save 15% off. If you want to win some of their gear, you have to call into the show when we're recording Rut Club Radio from 6 to 630 on Tuesdays, and you'll be entered into a drawing to win some of their products. So uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and get into some of the calls. Dude, I'm so close. You could give me a physical. Sorry, I just had to get that in there. Greg and I were sitting pretty close to each other. All right, let's get into this whole thing. So, Connor, the sun is setting early right now, too. Yep. How did you, how do you think the rut's going so far? <laughs> That's like a loaded question. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it's fully started, okay. but I think if you look at it differently than full out rut, you can key in on sign that's being put down we were just talking about find that. deer that are on their feet right um i was telling eric earlier before you showed up greg that my area i found this buck and didn't even have a mature buck rub or maybe like an evident fresh licking branch but there were a few doe scrapes but i hunted the fresh buck turd i found sure and just the winds and like the odds of the old rut sign like being generational rub yeah like coming fresh soon they're just not cranked up enough to start you It'll, know yeah, rubbing it's so, gonna come quick yeah. yeah i just dove in there and hunted it right yeah and found this deer and well 
I think the first night and then perhaps killed the same deer. When I tell the story, you'll, sure. I think you'll agree, but I yeah. think it's the same deer I saw the night before and was full drawn on. But. Sure. Well, and funny thing is, is that's kind of how I located this guy over my, my right shoulder here is I walked around an area transition out of the, out of the marsh, you know, everything was wet where he came from. And I literally walked in, found a freshly tore up tree that was, you know, about my waist high. Um, walked a little further, found a scrape, walked a little further, found another tree, tore up waist high, still dripping wet. Um, walked a little further some more, ran into a hiker, let him pass. <laughs> then there was a scrape. The hiker walked right through another scrape. And then so I figured, well, this is going to have to be good enough because I'm running low on light. I got out there late. I'm going to just throw a sit at it. If anything, it'll be at best, it'll be an observation sit. And lo and behold, an hour and a half, two hours later, he came tromping out of the wet stuff. And uh, I ended up shooting him like literally five feet from another scrape that he had laid down. Shit. Yeah, I just happened to see it as I was up in that tree. I looked down and boy, that ground sure is pretty barren of of canary grass because it's all four foot tall canary grass. Around. Is this a morning hunt? Nope, it's an nope. evening okay. hunt. So, no, I had a my niece's soccer game to go to first over in Madison, and I literally ran from one vehicle to the next. I had my truck all packed up and just ran out there. Because that's what happened to me the next morning. I dove in and it's pitch black. You can't read really scrapes unless you're really broken right. around with a headlamp and right. set up in a tree on a doe trail, and I'm like. You know, I can shoot this military crest coming up that it's it's just the perfect setup when you look at it. You've got like two knobs and then a ridge running east-west that splits. One goes off onto private above a big ag field or uh, it's actually a green food source. And then the draw on public and a big ridge going back on sure. public. And uh, I set up to shoot that with the northwest wind thinking deer would come up that um and turn and come my way but there wasn't any sign that i read coming from my because i left my stand in there there wasn't any sign in between there that told me really to sit there but that trail and i just wanted to shoot that trail coming up sure and uh you know it happens like this a lot for me now the sun comes up and you look down and that scrapes like five feet from your tree right and it's like oh okay this this yeah. is right. So. You're right there. Last round said big bucks have big turds. I concur. Is that real? I concur. I mean, I think, think about it. I bet right? Greg has bigger turds than both of us. Greg's a turd right now for not shutting his fucking alarm. He said that before <laughs> this started, too. He's like, I got to deal with this. No, oh, it's, it's the realtor. You want to take it? I probably you can, should. You Does that make an alarm? I'm going to have to call in. Somebody call in. Somebody call in. Greg will be back for more. I'm just going to... I get some elbow room here while you talk to the realtor. So, crashing out of here like a big buck. But yeah, so no I think yeah, but um, I think okay. uh, scrapes are popping up a lot more than uh, rubs, at least for uh, the southern Wisconsin area and um, the parts of Iowa I've been in. Well, the one we saw was huge. I mean, it was you said it was about as big as a car hood. It certainly was at least as big as this table. Yeah, I, um, I, the right, one the was definitely a picnic table rub or picnic table scrape, um, and the other two were definitely almost car hoods. So, Tell me a little bit more about, 
So I, I've had a couple of folks start listening to the podcast that are newer to hunting. And I know we have a spectrum, right? We have some people that are just getting in. You're fairly new to hunting. All yeah. have, you've yeah. made up for a lot of time by putting a shit ton of time in the woods. Um, and then we have some folks that are a little bit more seasoned, et cetera. What, wh- why are rubs getting, not scrapes getting bigger? What does that tell us? So it's a communication center between the deer. Um, I have them in Iowa as early as checking old ones at like October 5th, coming to them just curious. And it's like, I don't know, it's like us going to social media almost to see what's going on with everybody else. That's a good comparison. And, uh, you know, the bigger the group, the bigger the scrape kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hung that camera. I don't know. It was only in there 36 hours, but that one buck was in there pretty quick, even when I peed in it. So, is that the same one that that we took some photos of you hanging with the sun? Yep. I sent you that picture earlier of him. So, you know, it's it's usually targeted around doe bedding, the best ones that I find, or doe, you know, doe frequenting mm-hmm. areas. But I think they're good to hunt right now if you're hunting them tight to bed. Um, but as far as public land, like if they're anywhere close to ag, I don't think you're going to see that daylight movement okay. with mature deer quite yet. When do you think... I mean, it just snowed last night. Did you have some of that up by you, too? Yeah, I went in there and pulled that camera today, too, right? So those weren't really freshened up except from him, and that's what the camera showed. But some of the other ones were hit by does and stuff, and you can read the prints. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but Halloween is when everybody swears it gets good, so mm-hmm. I don't go trick-or-treating anymore. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but... It's funny because there's years I can think back to as a younger dude in my young 20s, and all I could think to do is go out to the bars and drink and get shit-faced. But even still, I'd be home, you know, 3 in the morning, and I'd be up at 4 an hour later to go hunting, you know, on Halloween and daylight savings and all that jazz. So that hasn't – I'm not getting shit-faced anymore, but these are the times. Success like, is right around the corner mm-hmm. then. I mean, I came out by you. I left at my house at 3.30 in the morning. To get out there, might be early. Early bird gets the worm. We having like a problem here with internet connectivity. Takes a little bit of crazy, they say. Yeah, well, my wife made fun of me. She's like, "Oh, you really are the okayest hunter." And then you had said the same thing. I was like, "Okay, fuck this. I'm getting up. I'm not taking that from both of you guys." Dang, she gave you shit. She too. did. She's like, "You better get up." So she was giving me crap. I don't know why this has been interrupted, but hopefully you guys can all still hear. Yeah, 18 pages open. That's why, but Yeah, that's what happens. So it says it's still going, but I don't know where the disconnect is. It shouldn't be interrupted. Everything seems to be working just fine. This is still going. By the way, anyway. everybody, Eric gave me some coffee <laughs> and also two bush lights. So I'm kind of going back and forth. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with the coffee now, so I'll be good. Like for a, a while. Mad Dog 2020, but is yeah, that what it's called? White Boy Way. Mm-hmm. I'd have to know what a Mad Dog is. Okay, the video's back up, so I don't know what happened, but it's working now. Um, I saw on the way into work on Monday an outside the ears buck with a doe in the, an open field, a city buck, so just you know some random field right on the way to work in New Berlin, Wisconsin. And it was about 7.20 in the morning. And they were both, so the, they're pretty far apart, but the, they were both looking a different direction. 
So there must have been something else in the field that I wasn't seeing that they were interested in, but that was a, it was a big, big buck, big body, big rack. There's three lanes separating me and a median. So I couldn't really do much about it. I wanted to stop and take a look and I just had to keep going. Unfortunately, um, nothing crazy. I wasn't chasing you know, those the ground or anything. They were both out there just dumbstruck standing in the field. This guy did come out with his nose to the ground. Okay. Kind of, kind of, you know, nose low at least. Um, and he was moving. He wasn't really, you know, he was, he was going somewhere. Um, but I think it's fun to get at, like, when you start seeing dead deer in the ditch repeatedly mm-hmm. and farmers in the fields, it's time to start putting time in the woods. Yeah. And um, I, I saw a new dead one at this the same morning. time. A, a, yeah. a fork. He must have been hit last night. Be patient at the same time. You know, there's a lot of time left, a lot of good hunting left. I personally have put, allocated some of my time in other areas because I want to hunt a piece late November in Iowa where I had my first encounter. So I'm going to be doing some filming more than hunting actually for the rut in Iowa, which Mm -hmm. sounds weird, but I've had a pretty stellar year so far and want to help some of my buddies out that have helped me. Yeah. I think well, the camera time's fun, to too. Deer camps and... There's some learning with all that stuff, too. Um, hey, real quick, folks. There's a number on the bottom of the screen. Go ahead and give us a call. Tell us what you're seeing, where you're seeing it. This is the time of the year where this should be popping way off. We should really be hearing from you folks. You can feel free to comment in, too, and we'll we'll, we'll tally that up. If you want us to call you, put your phone number, and I'll, I'll, I'll just call you guys. Um, but this is your show. This is your segment. Let's hear what you guys have to say. I'd love to... John Robinson, what's going on? We um, went from 29 to 14. Yeah, what I think it's because of the video. What did so I was, say? Oh. Yeah, you told everyone to, I don't know, what was the drink called again? Oh, Mad Dog. <laughs> they're like, oh, they're pretty big in Iowa. <laughs> I don't know, at least in our I've heard of Mad Dog. Click. The beer? Yeah, that's like, like the, that red the wall is kind of like a. It's like a big bulldog or something. That's an old beer. Who's this? Who's this? Oh, Lacutus. Oh, boy. You know this guy. He's going to get entered to win. Hey, Jeff, you're live on Ruck Club Radio. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How you doing? The expert is in the house. We were just talking about no, you before we no. hit record. Uh, we're going to make you mount just... all of our deer. <laughs> Whether you want to or not. Congrats, You've Connor. You're off to a great season. You've been hunting, Jeff. What have you been seeing? I've been call- I'll call in. I'll give you a little bit of update here. Good. What I'm currently yep. seeing. Been hitting it, you know, hardcore on the the weekend. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, hunting most of every week, and then the day job during the week. But where I've been doing a lot of my time is in hill country. So it's in Minnesota. If it's it's just across from Buffalo County up there. It's on private, but we've been seeing a lot of scrape activity pop up in the last couple days. Um, I've got my cameras set out at different spots on field edges and I've got them on video mode and I've got a lot of video of probably hundred inch bucks, a little bit smaller that are starting to get a little scrappy and push each other around and, and a little bit aggressive. So they're starting to show those things. Um, a lot more rubs are showing up in staging areas just outside of that bedding areas as well that weren't there the prior week. So I think that testosterone is starting to flow and they're starting to get on their feet and, you know, getting a little bit irritated here and there and starting to leave those beds just a hair earlier. Um, I haven't seen anything mature on its feet, you know, doing rutting activity as in like getting up and chasing a hot doe. 
Um, I do have a couple pictures in the night of a doe coming through and a buck, buck or two not far behind her on the camera. So things are starting to heat up. So it's it's getting to be that prime time of year. So I'll say something. You mentioned trail cameras, and something I've done this year is definitely went to all lithium-ion batteries. Hmm. Definitely went to bigger cards, all 16s. Hmm. But I ran video because you can just tell the direction and the demeanor of the deer and you you catch other deer um and with your higher end cameras i don't really see them filling up fast at all or dying or having any effect in that way um but no I, i'm i'm doing the same thing i'm not running the lithiums right now but i have the the 16 gig cards in there but one thing i really pay attention to when i have it on that video mode is i have one on a water source and i have one on an uh, apple tree food source as well but when I see a, a buck come in or a doe come in, I'll pay more attention to their ears than anything because <laughs> that's telling me which other way other deer are in that area and where they're coming from. And they might not be on the camera, but you're picking up to like he's keyed in on something over there. So, you know, that might be another direction of travel that you might not see them at, but you, you might tip you off to like a secondary trailer or something like that to stage or stand in the correct area too yeah we could we could talk about this forever because you mentioned sparring i had i had bucks sparring pushing not fighting but they were definitely pushing each other around and like running each other off beginning of october on this piece in iowa and i think it's it, it was like six different stud two and a half year olds to like four and a half year olds just in there repeatedly um, getting after each other so i don't know quite what it is about the piece yet um but i'm anxious to get back in there uh greg or uh, jeff have you have you changed your batteries at all this year not I went yet to, i've been lucky okay i went to a longer soaking period this year so i went away from like lower end batteries and <laughs> i on my yeah. higher end cameras i haven't had to change the single one or i haven't even lost a percentage yet yeah, wow, that's really good. Um, I'm planning on leaving a couple out over the the rest of the rut into like the late season, then picking them up after everything's done and over, just to get a little bit more intel for the bigger picture. You know, if we do ever have to go into that late season, so I've got a little bit more, you know, realistic intel of what's happening. You know, now opposed to what the time frame over the last five years has been. Um, but one other thing that I just want to point out, what I've discovered too, is is that a couple of these knobs I have are in a series, so it's one right after the other on a on a ridge, and I'll kind of stage hunt across of. But what I did notice was was one of those knobs when I came across it was just had way more rubs. So I set up on that knob on Friday evening, and at last, like I had a, a nice six pointer walk up walk right below me and in tow right behind him was an eight pointer and he came up and just kind of you know rubbed a few trees gently and staged his way and finally got up there but he was a smart guy because I think he caught on to something just wasn't right and he veered off at the last second but I wasn't planning to hunt that spot when I was going there I was cutting through that knob to get to a different knob but the hot sign told me like hey there's a lot more rubs that weren't here and they're popping up so if I went to stop, then I would have just blown right by one to, you know, had that activity. But I think when you discover this sign this time of the year before they're really pressured, that's something to key in on and hunt it when it happens. 
Um, That's interesting you say that, you know, about the rubs, because I was fortunate to get help by the landowner where I assumed my buck to go. And we came up his property on a UTV and his ridge was rubbed up, but it wasn't like rubs that would make me stop and hunt. Um, which was interesting to me because that guy was still in there. Um, like I, I told Greg earlier, I hunted the historic rut sign and the fresh buck turd that told me there was a big buck in there. Um, because, and I think that's important to look at right now because a spot's good if a spot's good, right? Um, don't just take his word. Yeah, if that testosterone is not (laughs) cranked up right now, I don't think they're going to be ripping apart trees yet. Or if like the bucks aren't highly populated in that area, they're not competing quite yet. Um, yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, Lack of rubs doesn't mean that bucks are there. It just means that the competition hasn't cranked up or that there's not a battle going on for territory. So even those little rubs, I never overlook them. I just kind of pay attention to the height of the rub because the I've seen big bucks rub on and little that's trees what I was and I've seen little bucks rub on I, big trees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but my well, favorite we, thing on height sign is just... Uh, scrapes after it rains but i gotta let you guys go and get back to some other callers so i've talked enough of your ear off well let's um, hope some other callers calling but right now you got a hundred percent chance of winning a heated hunt jeff <laughs> jeff also that would be awesome about this calling stuff is i can see your address now and i'll be swinging by and dropping this deer off to be mounted <laughs> so thanks for calling in buddy it pulls all your cell phone yeah we got everything it does it early no, 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 well, no, no. We're big brother in you. You should, have, you should have that stuff anyway. So. <laughs> we know where you're good, brother. Thanks for calling. Have a good night, Jeff. Hey, tell, no, tell wish, wish you all great luck, guys. You. Keep up yeah, the great say work. Say hi to James yep. for us. Yep, have a great night, guys. Bye-bye. Yeah, Jeff, look, it looks like I'm leaning in to give you a freaking pack. Yeah, right here on the cheeky. we got to make sure I talk into the mic, you know. Should I, should I park some facial hair for you? Maybe you can hit that scan with that. Okay. Did you sell your house? Yeah. Yeah. All right. the, the the good and bad news is I got to be out by Sunday. Well, good thing it's the rut, and we're Solid. talking about Rut Club Radio, and you're not going to be hunting it. I'll more gear for us. I right? like post rut and pre rut way more than the rut. Hmm. Um, Jason Campbell opened by mine too. Post rut sounds the buck cool. activity being more patternable and more consistent in like the pre rut period. Yep. To like in a lot, and he hunts that like the rut. Well, they're not they're not out roaming. Typical mm-hmm. vacation time, mm-hmm. which he he considers lockdown. Yep. Because if you're not in that funnel, you're not in that pinch where those deer get pushed through, or getting bumped, like you're 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 stuck in a rut. Sure. So, um, that's why I've really been putting time in, and I took time off this weekend because I anticipated low, low traffic. Yep. Um, and good deer movement, especially mm-hmm. with the temperatures. And a cool snowstorm that we had. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah, I, I dig that. So that's like it. a sign for me. I'm like really in touch with some spiritual stuff now since I started bow hunting because like I, I'm in my own head for once. And the other time this happened was when I went out to Colorado for my birthday. It started snowing as I walked into Winter Park. My dad told me this cool story about my grandfather growing up next to Winter Park and going there with his buddy and skiing, his buddy going to the Olympics, etc. But he never told me it. 
until I told him I was leaving to go to Colorado for my snowboarding trip. And then when I got out there, it began snowing. I had to drink a Budweiser in his honor. And sure. then, so last night, I'm sitting there just admiring my buck hanging from the tree, and it began snowing. The storm pushed in. It's pretty cool. It was like he was there again for one of the coolest moments of my life. It's so, awesome. It was sweet. That's really cool. That yeah. was a cool campsite we're at, too. We'll have to get into some more of that. Camping I've been bragging. I do the fucking meal you cooked. Not cast right. iron skills, Top man. Three best types of meals I've ever had. We do a lot of our cooking at home out of cast iron. Hmm. Greg, yeah. did you go downstairs and come back upstairs without beers? No, I did not go downstairs because oh, okay. there's company down there. It, it was a question. It was a company. I know it was, Logan, it was a legit question. No, there's, there's a man's voice down there. Oh, great. Who the hell is here? I don't know. Spencer, thanks for tuning in. Hey, Spencer. Hey, Kevin. Uh, what's thanks going on? Thanks my blood tracking dog. Hey, I am. We got, we got six minutes left. What's up, Kevin? Before Mike. We, before we kick this can on the show um, for the segment, and right now Jeff Genke's got a 100% chance of winning a heated hunt. So if you want to maybe spite Jeff or get a shot at this, whatever you're into, you just got to call in to qualify. So otherwise you're going to hear us three idiots just keep rattling on for a while. Yeah, just keep rattling. The show is for you guys. Mike, I know you had some uh, some encounters up north just from your text messages and all the dear dick pics you showed. <laughs> you should be calling in. You got all sorts of activity going on here. So, Eric, I'll tell you, when I went in to pull that camera, I actually did go in and blow up part of that bedding area just to see what's going on. And I found a pretty gnarly spot that's just a pretty bulletproof setup, especially um, when you have high water right now. Did you bounce any out? This is the one? You know, no. Yeah, that was the one that was on camera. I'd take that all day. If you would have walked down while we were in that tree, I would have gone. You know, and to tell you something, 650, that tells me um, he's close. He might be coming from a little further off, but the location of that camera... It's not far. It's not too far, and it's a lot of open woods and we're at where the, that's great. And we're at the point of the season so now where he's, he smelled enough. What, when that was, where he was bedded, and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to sound cocky, but I think I could have thrown a pretty aggressive set at that guy and got us pretty close to his bedding area and saw him right at that last light time we would have been way like towards this bedding area from that scrape but there's just a major terrain change um and a major bench and trail that comes up that tells me and then a bench or a ridge across from there that just tells me he was coming to that cut corn to see what the does were doing hit that scrape because i freshened it up the day before and uh i think if we were there last night it would have it would have been money it would have been on so, I still enjoyed the set. It was beautiful. I took a shit ton of really pretty pictures, but we should have rode that out. I didn't know you were going to go back. So I didn't if know I'd we known you were going to take off, I would have said, "Screw it, let's just ride it out." You never know. But in there's one of those bulletproof setups where there's just those canyons, and it gets just so rugged before it falls off the ridge mm-hmm. that that first bench they cross furthest from the access path is just torn up with sign there's a big scrape on each side and it's like you can hunt it in almost every wind um and you can kind of hunt it on a bad wind if it's variable um with your thermals because they're going to suck down the like mandatory ridge you're sitting on Mm -hmm. towards the river so um late season i might come back and try and do a big doe slaughter because okay we'll talk about this the cwd thing 
right? Yep. Has me thinking the Mitch Baker stuff and like deer population numbers, rut activity kind of all determines that, right? And CWD alone, like deer population has to go down. Mitch Baker was saying how lease prices and or property prices are going down, right? Because the CWD testing positive, et cetera. Well, yep. I felt as a bow hunter, because I did venture to different parts and counties of Wisconsin this year, that I owe it to the county I bought my tags in to spend that season there and try and fill those. Just, I think that's kind of the sportsman's code when you enter a zone like this with CWD. It's a good sportsman's code, and and I think I made you aware of that, that you're in the hot area there yeah, where you were hunting. Yeah. It's a, you know, Iowa counting being number one for sure. Yeah. The most positive, tested positive yeah. cases. And then you got Richland and you got Sauk counties. And Grant is right close there, and I don't think as many people are testing deer in Grant. You know, I, I would agree to that. The yeah. access is pretty limited down mm-hmm. um, in that part of the state. Yep. So I drove. I wouldn't say I drove a long ways. I'd say it was far worth it. You know, I had the time, fortunately, but um, I drove a decent ways to get. But you can you or can you not cross county lines? You can as long as you can disconnected from spine, right? To my knowledge, they didn't ever pass that. Did they you, never they never passed it. It was it was proposed as an emergency rule and it got gutted. It, it got gutted. I can't got, remember what I read last year. Yep. So about that. Basically, you can you can take your deer, but you're gonna wherever you, you know, if you have it tested, I think it's smart to have it tested in the county you've got it in. But otherwise, sure. you got to disclose that information wherever you are going to go and take it tested. But you have to, a lot yeah, of people you have to disclose, disclose it anyway. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, yeah know. they they show you a map. Yeah. They ask you coordinates. Yeah, all that fun stuff. So, well, hey guys, that's Rock Club Radio. We got one caller, Jeff Genke. You're going to be the winner. I'll do the announcement tomorrow. I'll spin the wheel and we'll land on you. All right, we're going to get into the topic of the week with Connor. This is a really good episode. There's a lot of knowledge packed into this one pay close attention to how Connor thinks about hunting and what his approach looks like and the variables he's considering and how he attacks the hunt Um, very calculated approach from someone that has learned a lot in a very short amount of time so enjoy let's dive in Connor uh, is in the studio with us if you can't see and Connor you've been on the show before I think you're one of maybe one or the only one or one of two repeat guests? Is that so? I don't know. I can't remember. I mean, you guys might know more than me. Mm. I have a memory problem. Clearly. I do, too, at times. Like not, I enough, not enough coffee. Mm-hmm. I forgot to check the wind of all hours of the day the first night I went into that parcel. Oops. I got up there and saw it shifting in the last hour to the trail I was hunting. It was like, whoops. It happens. Connor, um, introduce yourself to the audience. I know you're a repeat, but maybe some folks are just coming into here right now. So unpack who you are for me. Yeah, so I'm the Whitetail Drifter, um, Eastern Iowa, Team Hang and Bang, um, my Lone Wolf Custom Gear, Whitetail Addiction, TV guy, and then I'm also affiliated with Gator Outdoors. Ethics Archery, TNK Honey Gear, and then Shop Fanato. But I'm basically a bum from Eastern Iowa with way too much student loan debt, living on his parents, 
no money in his savings account. So not an event chasing down by the river. whitetails. We got to get you on a dating app, buddy. And this is going to be a real selling point right here. Everything you're saying. Yep. The ladies are going to love this. No, I, so that that's why I tell something about everybody. <laughs> They're like, you need to kill bigger deer, and it's like, well, like guys that kill bigger deer have a girlfriend, and they don't hunt that much. I'll tell you that <laughs> right now. Like, I'm fine with killing, you know, Pope and young quality deer and hunting all the freaking time um, with no wife. So, <clears throat> so how did that's you? Facts. Before we get into the topic, like last time I had you on, I had you on as a quote unquote new hunter. How, how did you? Kind of. We covered shed hunting. Yeah, we covered shed hunting, but we got into a little bit of who we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did get a little little bit of who he is, but I guess I think what Eric's trying to ask you is what what made you decide to all of a sudden, hey, I'm going to go and bow hunt and I'm going to go I'm going to go drift in the driftless and drift in Kentucky and hang out in Iowa and do all the stuff that I do. Um. I was a bow fisherman for a while and then just realized that I didn't get anything out of it and started questioning like where meat came from and how it held its color so long on the shelf, like just stuff like that. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll bow hunt, you know, just just keep up my archery. And I had a great encounter in 2016 that just took apart my soul and sorry to my ex-girlfriend because she didn't know at the time that I was going down a deep wormhole and you know <laughs> it eventually probably ruin us but yeah from there I told myself when that what I couldn't figure out the balance and that didn't work out that I'd give my life to the outdoors and ever since I don't know when I lived up there in Illinois I'd go down and hunt my buddy's place in Indiana so like that kind of gave me the out-of-state bug and then just to make archery seasons longer I got the taste of a Kentucky tag last year and was hunting like september 3rd through the 8th at whitetail heaven and i was like boy it's fun like because i hunt turkeys till the end of may too mm-hmm. and it's like okay so now i only have like three months off of hunting season like that's that's awesome um so i continued to go out of state and i was like well what's the next best one well wisconsin's the greatest one in my opinion because you can go for your first year as a first-time buyer program for $80, you get a license, a buck, a doe tag, and whatever county you pick, whether private or public land, they give you X amount of doe tags just sure. for the large population numbers. So that's a great opportunity on top of having almost, what is it, 10 million acres of public land. That's like there's just money. a lot of the state. It's like 10% or whatever. Um, and I don't know. Like I look up to Sam Sohold a lot, and I was one of the kids that, didn't really understand public lands existed and hated living in Iowa as a kid and like just didn't take the recreation of Iowa seriously to enjoy Iowa for what it is and come full circle and it's like I've been living life wrong. So here I am. Really active with backcountry hunters and anglers too. Yeah, I was fortunate to um, reach out to them in turkey season for a situation I had and look for their help with an access and actually a target shooting program in a parking lot that potentially ruined a turkey hunt for me. Um, so I reached out to them and worked with Frank Lake directly and then just wanted to know more about it. I heard heard about it from Ranella and I liked the story. I liked the idea. So I met with Frank one day and I think it was Iowa City. We had pizza with him and his wife and he told me about it, or his fiance at the time. And I was like, okay. Well, he's like, oh, I want you in on this board meeting coming Tuesday. So I'm sitting in on the board meeting, not saying anything, just listening because I don't know. Like, it's 
it's not political, but they're like the structure is like not something I'm used to at all. Like I'm pretty freelance and I just listened. And then at the end he was like, I want to make a motion for Connor on this social media content producer. And I just got grilled with questions and like <laughs> they were asking them and just rewarding them. And I, I would like not catch it until I was halfway through my answer. And so yeah. I just finished and, um, they brought me in anyways, and it's been great so far, but I love the program. I love what they're about. Our first rendezvous was great, so um, y'all should get involved with your Wisconsin chapter. Yeah. I know I'm a member, but I'm, the involvement's been limited. They've served beer at the Pint Night. I go to that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, I've been to one Pint Night. I'd, I'd love to be more involved if I could make more time, and that may be a possibility here in the near future. Yeah. Well, okay, so topic, right? pre-rut, rut-ish, you've had some success. Why don't we, um, hey, hey, accessible, I don't know how you guys doing. Um, why don't we hear your story, man? The I was out there with you on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, right? I kind of made you feel guilty. Yeah, you and my wife, wife, both. About Fucking. not coming out before daylight in a great time of year to hunt. He's the okayest hunter for a reason. Yeah, right? they said the same thing. She was I like, think you really believe in the wolf the still, don't you? Yeah. You don't hunt mornings in October, do you? I don't hunt mornings on properties I haven't been to because I don't know where I'm going. But I don't believe in the law, mainly because I just don't believe in excuses. No, I get it. I was getting trapped. You, know, you fucker. Oh. Uh, but yeah, you met me out there and we dove in there early and made a little too much noise, probably. But I made a little too much noise. Well, we had a large element change that because I didn't hunt that piece that night, I didn't know. Excuse me. Happened. And, uh, when we got walked in by gentlemen around 11 a.m. in the morning that day, which was when the w- woods like really felt like it yeah, was coming alive, it was a out. heavy fog morning mm-hmm. um, with a low wind, and like squirrels weren't even running. And when I when I don't hear a squirrel running, I don't really think anything's running. So we were just holding tight, holding tight, and then Blue Jay started going nuts in the cedar bedding area, and out walked Blue Jeans. And at first we weren't going to call them out because they weren't coming our way. And then they were, I didn't want them to see the scrape because it's a dang big scrape. And I thought a pretty hot scrape at the time, but they started coming at the ridge and I whistled at them, waved at them, like notified them that I wanted them to wait around so we could talk to them. Um, And through talking with him, I learned that what he thought was standing corn all week and, you know, was picked in the middle week. I confirmed was picked that day before because when I didn't come back in and hunt, I didn't see that they were in the field picking that corn, which again would have possibly changed the bedding, especially with the wind change. Sure. So it, it made sense we didn't see a, any deer that morning to me. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, uh, you departed earlier. I'm glad you don't think I'm a bad omen. No. <clears throat> Anthony Heller might disagree with that. Do you? Does he? No, I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to hear more about that hunt. Um I'm but sure learning that you had to leave when you left, like I would have really wrote it out with you because like I said, the squirrels were just starting to, to like get down and run and the birds were just waking up and, you know, like we weren't hearing waterfowl hunters shoot out of the sloughs and whatnot until almost 10 o'clock. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so birds aren't really flying either. It's like no, nothing's moving. And I wish we would have stayed though, dude, but. You you took off and I uh I dove up into a piece. We did I, try to dissect one other property real quick. Too, we did, um, but that was short lived. I mean, it, we 
Yeah, the whole time I've been to this area, I've always drove past this piece and this bottom piece because, I don't know, it just doesn't look right. But then to that day, I was like, you know, if I've drove past it every time and I've never seen anyone in here, because I'm actually up here quite a bit for an Iowa kid, um, maybe no one does go in there. And I don't think people really do. The water's just too high right now yeah. to hold the deer because I saw deer in the ditch that night. It's like so they go and use it, but they're not using it like they should. Um, so I think if it dries up, it could turn into an overlooked well, spot. There's just a couple of high spots in there; they'll use it. Well, sure, sure, but not. We, we checked, you know, one big finger crossing and sure. didn't find sign on it. And maybe we should have checked another one. But I said at that point that Why I didn't find that point of the day. I didn't find the freshest sign. I said, you know, this is a little too much sweat equity for you know diving into a new piece with this high of water and like a lot of land once we get down in there not being you know huntable yeah i said let's let's go so and then turn out you had to head home um yeah i did the math on it i realized if i would have gone back out we would have got set up by maybe four o'clock or something like that and uh then i would have hunted till last light then i wouldn't have been out of the woods till 7 38 o'clock then i went home till 10 i would have missed the whole day of my family so i was like well i'm gonna i'm gonna go home you know, it ended up yeah. working on my favorite because we took our daughter and her yeah. for a walk in the playground. Trick or treating. So, trick or treating the night before. Yeah. Okay. So, it was good, man. It was, but it was enough for me. And, and by the way, like, if anybody ever hangs out with Connor, have him cook you a meal. <laughs> <laughs> I've been cooking. You seared that venison perfectly. Thank you, dude. That was <clears throat> one of my better ones. I don't know. You were touching the meat, doing stuff. I don't know what the hell you were. What was going on upstairs? But you, whatever you were doing, calculating was. Working. You don't do the finger test. I don't know. I just time it. Like time oh, shit. Uh, I can't trust myself. I'm too impatient. You see how impatient I am? Yeah. Like I finger test that sucker. I'm like a minute goes by and I think five and I think like twenty has gone by. I'm testing the firmness of the meat with my finger <clears throat> and I'm understanding that that meat's gonna be cooking hot at that moment and when I pull it, mm-hmm. it's still gonna yeah, cook go. for two to five minutes, whatever, depending on what area it goes into. So yeah. You burn your hand and you pull that skillet out? No, I didn't that time. Maybe the night before I might have. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you got to let it rest and it cooks a little more. So I, I pull my meat pretty early, especially in camping like this. Um, I probably cook it more medium rare the first night because I plan on heating it up the next day if I don't finish it. So then it's still medium. But, yeah, um, Mike Webb from the BHA showed me the value of a cast iron skillet at the rendezvous. Really? Yeah. Did he do a cook Dude. there too? Or yeah, what? he was doing uh, – Cast iron skillet thing. demos and stuff yeah. like that. And we did stuff like uh, I talked about public land whitetail hunting. Someone talked about like a 10-day trout fishing backpack trip and what it takes <laughs> to like pack a pack in like mm-hmm. that. So it was a good time. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You said you cook off an iron? We have an iron skillet in this house. Yeah, I do. Uh, we quite regularly. How do you clean those things? What are you supposed to do? You supposed to season them? Well, I, mean, I, mean, I think. There's a couple There's different ways. Like a couple different ways you could do it. I mean, I know guys will use uh, sea salt. Okay. They'll use sea salt, rub it around there. That'll help etch a lot of the stuff off. And the, and the you know. The I'll be honest. Deposit. I really don't clean mine. Yeah. Uh, we I do. I might throw it upside down over the fire for like ten minutes before I cook it. on it, mm-hmm. just to like burn off any bacteria that might be on it. Yeah. But yeah, I I pretty much try and leave the flavor. That's why in the it pan. tasted so good. All the flavors. Oh, all the so meals. good, man. You had a cheeseburger, a chicken breast, and who knows what else along with that venison. (laughs) Might even be a potato in there. Oh, there were definitely potatoes in there because I've been doing, yeah. I saw the bag of potatoes on the the picnic bench. But that's that's what it's about with deer camp. I mean, even when I'd go up 
to the north woods up by Spooner with my uncle. I mean, we didn't have a lot of luxuries there. It was, you know, wash pots and pans every so often to get real bad. Yeah. But yeah, it was whatever stuff we had went in a pot and one pot meal, done deal. Yeah. I dig it. I don't know. That's kind of why I do it too. I grew up tech camping with a family a lot and this is like, they're all too busy. They don't really do the outdoors like I do now. And I don't know. It's kind of brings me back to my childhood and Mm -hmm. stuff. It's, it's like restarting in my opinion. I feel like I'm like 18, 19. I just got another shot at life. No kids, not married. So. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I love it, dude. It's awesome. I was going to say something else in there and these notifications are distracting me. Um, Okay, so pick back up. So we we dissected that property. You dove back in somewhere else after I'd gone. Yep. So I've been up here since Friday midday, and I've been when what I do is I really pay attention to parking lots time of day as I'm passing parking lots, even if I'm hunting them or not. Um, as if I'm passing a public land parcel, I'm pulling up on X, and I'm making note in my head if someone is parked in that parking lot or not. And turned out this piece. The same guy had been in it morning and night the whole weekend I was up there besides for Sunday night, which told me he was probably from out of town. He traveled home Sunday midday sometime. So I went up there in there anyways. One, I forgot a trail camera at the base of the tree on that piece Friday night when I went in to pull it, which died the first. I got a love-hate relationship with trail cameras. (laughs) The lower-end camera, which I liked when you were putting them closer to access points and food where people are going to be because even if you hang them high um, there's an opportunity of them getting taken especially with like a red light going off every time yep but that died like right away so no prior intel right like oh that's great um well i left it at the base of the tree instead of putting in my pack so i was like i'll go up on that end and hunt that end anyways and then on my way out i'll just make a big j hook grab my camera and i might not ever come back and hunt this piece sure well i get up there Oh, I don't even know what time it was, but I did I did a little poking around. I, I've definitely learned that the value of putting boots on the ground and even bumping bedding areas leaving, leading to where you're going mm-hmm. like can work out if you're if you're thinking about it the whole way you go there instead of just waltzing through areas. Um so I'm trying to read the freshest sign possible and I got up there and on the northwest running private public border, there's a decent deer trail. Um and there's also a transition change that I didn't notice until I was in the tree, but I found a fresh buck turd that I always check the temperature if I can tell it's fresh. I'll I'll actually feel the turd because that'll give me a time of day. If that buck dropped that turd that night before, like it's going to be cold, cold, or like early, early in the morning, it might not be frozen or frosted yet, um, but it's going to be cold. And the fact that I could tell... It wasn't like it was just cool. Like I could feel a little chill to it. I was like, okay, he sent check this field like mid morning because the sun really hadn't beat that northern ridge yet. And it's what, a northern. What did you believe that that was even a buck that left that? Uh, just the shape. I, I find they just come in a whole larger turd instead of yeah. It's a clump of clump you know a bunch of little droplings. It's it's a clump. So someone was joking when we were on Club Radio a little bit ago about the size of the turd. I don't think he was joking. No, I it, I wasn't sure. The way it was said, it could have been. No, yeah. Anyway, he, but that's he, the real thing. Was being just, serious, just yeah. Like, yeah. Really, the bigger the turd. Like I know? said, Greg's going to probably lay bigger turds than we are. 
Because Greg's bigger than both of us, so. Yeah, you'd have a. And more of a mature buck that we're adding. That's true, mature buck. Yeah. Bigger guy. It's likely. Probably eats more. Um, and (laughs) not today. My buddy Josh Prophet has really opened me up to looking for buck sign that's not your promoted buck sign it's it's not promoted but that's what people talk about people talk about rubs people talk about scrapes you don't find a lot of people talking about a good track or even like good scat for that point and with that being said they talk about like bedding areas and food sources mm-hmm. where my buddy josh talks like talks about creek crossing when i spent time in kentucky and couldn't find the deer he's like we'll hit the creeks yep. start running creeks and i started running creeks i started finding deer sign start finding crossings i also find a lot of dead deer um yeah but i i've kind of taken that to every area i go and i'm really looking for a crossing of some sort especially if they're two good ridges um and it might have water going between it in the early season that's where your sign's going to be because it's going to be hot they're going to hit that water and they're going to cross between beds closest to food right yeah um so that's really just opened my mind up to reading sign differently when I get into areas. So like, for instance, when I got into this area, I read no fresh rubs, um, but there was a rub line that went right, right along that top third line of the ridge. Um, but it was from the past rut, I could tell. And uh, something told me like there was only one doe scrape that I found and it was right there at the transition change on an east-west path going to a private land green food source that I could see from where I set up. So it was, I think it was a hundred yards total. I lined it on Onyx and with a West wind, I was like, he laid that this morning. So I'm going to sit here, hunt the trail above me with does coming out of that. That ridge would run down and split off and a ridge finger would be running East West on public and a ridge would be running East West on private with a big green food source to the North um, at the bottom. So I read that as does coming out of the private land with the anticipation of the one being closer to access Mm -hmm. on the public side, being possibly hunted by who have ever been up there um, and set up to hunt those. But I looked past the shifting north wind, northwest wind at the end of the night and like the whole time I dropped milkweed when I was up there, like it was blowing to that trail I wanted to hunt and kind of honestly down into that bedding area just drifting along into that bedding area. So I contemplated for a good amount of time, three or four times I had to talk myself out of tearing down the set because I hung out of that new Lone Wolf DeQuisto series set and like, it's just so easy to hang. It was super easy for you to get it, set up. It's incredible. <laughs> Let's just take a second real quick. Because like with, you set up the Cadillac stand that I have. Yeah. I call it the Cadillac because it's huge. Dude, which is it's nice easy. too if you put and some TLC to it. I could, I should. But like, like, I think I got some Slayer tape on the way. It might end up in your mailbox. Well, that would be beautiful. Because like, but you 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 might so kill a deer. Connor's like, hand me up your hand me up your uh, hang on strap, right? Yeah. And so I handed you this little L hook, and you're like, okay, yeah. not what I was asking for. Yeah, no, I want like, no, no, the strap. Strap is the stand. It's all it's all built. And then I realized because I'm holding on stands like that, they bolt those to the stand. It's like, oh, okay. And that's probably why I get so fixated on like. You need like a small bungee to keep that Mm -hmm. sucker at least tight to the frame. Yeah. So the DeQuistos. But it worked out. Yeah. And I don't know. So at that point and like now, like being closer to a different caliber of hunter than I am, like just some bigger killers, like 
Oh, I hear saying different caliber is like me, and I'm well, lower. That than too, though. <laughs> that too. Um, I I just understand like that they get down and move to reset themselves up. Um, but I didn't panic, and I ran out of time, kind of. So I was kind of kicking myself sitting there, pop up on X and looking at the aerial. And it turns out the north running fence that drops down to the fence line actually is a hard transition change too, which I was looking through all night, but like never understood the deer movement because of it. And I said, well, crap, with that turd, with the wind, I said, maybe one will come dumping up off that lower field and pop up on this ridge to scent check that small plot and maybe look for deer coming across, you know. And sure enough, it came to last light, like 6.15-ish. And I saw movement come up off that transition up onto my bench and big old grunt like I'd never heard. And I was like, oh, time to go. So I turn, grab my camera, turn it, turn, grab my bow, and I'm setting, I'm waiting, I'm looking, and I didn't see a deer. And I heard a small shuffle in between my two turns, and I was like, okay, did he bump a doe up here I didn't see? And she dropped back down off the ridge because I did have ground scent down in that area. Mm-hmm. And... uh I was like, maybe he's just gone. So three three minutes goes by. I turn, I hang up the bow, and I turn back, and he starts walking. I'm like, crap, he's been there the whole time. Yeah. So I turn, pick back up my boat, and he takes five steps, stops, and he looks. And I'm like, what's he doing? Like, does he see another deer? So I'm looking down the open flat. I'm in, like, a mature hardwood flat. And he takes three more steps, stop. And I was like, he doesn't see a deer. I don't see a deer. Maybe he sees a deer. And I'm like... This is the first time I've seen a big buck do big buck things. But in my mind now, it's like with like how they bed, like he was standing backwards to that field to his west, scent checking it over his back, yep. and then looking across this open bench flat, mature hardwoods. Because like it's one of those during the daytime, you could probably shoot 50, 60 yards like through some lanes off there. Sure. Like there's just not an underbrush at all. And uh, he, he walked again through my 40-yard window, and I came to full draw on him and mapped him and he just wouldn't stop. It was kind of breezy up there that night, but I, I've learned through, especially wounding that buck, like last week, the weekend before in Iowa, that like I'll have better chances at those deer and more chances at those deer. I guess I haven't had another chance at that deer, so I can't say that exactly. But if I don't you know, put an arrow through them in a bad spot, I've got a lot better chance of seeing that deer again and possibly killing that deer. So I didn't I didn't force a shot or anything. It's one of the first times I've ever had self-control at that point because I was so cranked up, just ready to go. And I let down, and just soon after I let down, I watched him run off after a deer up on that kind of ridge that I would hunt the next morning, and it chased it back onto the private side, and I'm like, okay. So right away, I pull up my Onyx, and I'm like, what's the wind tomorrow? Looking at the wind, north wind, north wind, perfect. So then I watched another young buck pop up on that ridge and follow that old rub line and i was like okay they're running this right now i was like the sign might not be laid down but they're running it so i told myself this is the first time i've ever left that lone wolf custom stand in the timber but i was like pull three sticks i was like and leave it leave your camera base pull your camera arm pull your camera pack in light yeah and get the hell out of here Mm -hmm. like don't sweat yourself up in the morning because I'm not really a scent control guy. Like, I stand over the fire in my camo. I freaking cook and wipe my hands off in my camo all the time. And uh, I was like, just just be smart about this. You know there's a good deer in here now. 
So I was up early that next morning, 3.30, my alarm woke up. and That's going to be hard getting up out of no. a fucking... Well, hold on, though. Like, Think when about When you're that it. snuggled into a sleeping bag and it's that cold outside of it, to me... I mean, the excitement had to outweigh it. I get it for this one. But... Nope. So how it works is like... Your sleeping bag, that just sounds cozy. Dude. At the end of the night, I'll shower when it starts to get kind of cold. And then I'll stand around a campfire before I thaw out. But I'm getting in and I'm getting into that sleeping bag before like i get cold mm-hmm. so it doesn't take that sleeping bag to long to warm up i've tried the i'm saying hard to wake up in the morning no hold on oh, it, shit. it right. takes like i've tried the nalgene boiled water bottle idea and that thing just turns into an icicle once the freaking water cools down <laughs> um so i started doing body warmers and then come full circle in the morning you just reach this time where you've slept enough and it's really because like it gets colder all the way into three or four a.m. And yeah. around three or four a.m. it's bitter cold, and I pop up because I'm now I'm cold. Like I don't know what it is, but something's done that I can feel the air that's cold, and mm-hmm. I pop right up every time. The secret to me is like kind of falling out, but not falling all the way out before you walk in the woods because I dive pretty deep. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I have a short walk, I might like warm you up in the car. When you're walking in, you're moving. I could tell you, you said you, were you really, said you, no, it's good. But you said I wanted I to turn it around and slow down, but I was no, like, "You're good, no. man. I can, I can, ha- I can handle yeah. that shit." But you had said like we're gonna go quick, and then once we get to a certain spot, we're gonna go slow. So that that's interesting. I, I like to uh, I like to make noise. If I'm getting in late, I'm making noise fast and for a long distance, so I can cover the ground as soon as possible. But when I get to where I hunt, I slow down. I don't make no noise. Um. It's like when I access a property, I might not go up the access lane as okay. other hunters because the deer around that access lane will get bumped by me, which is okay um, if you have a good hunting spot. But if I'm coming up even with a headlamp on a different hunter access path, like just up through a draw randomly, then like what every other hunter has always done, those deer don't take me as a threat as they have the rest of those hunters. Mm-hmm. I found that out that night. I went bombing out of there. And came down over the final ridge, and there, boom, popped down on a logging trail. I was like, no crap, there is an access all the way up here. And Funny sure as shit, there was some good scrapes all the way down it. And I was like, okay, the, like the deer are in this piece. Excuse me. I said, I'm getting up early, so 3.30, yeah, easy to wake up. And I told the campground host today, he's like, you were up early yesterday. I said, yeah, I woke up 3.30 for that guy. And uh, he's like, yeah, I heard you leaving around four, but I was in the, oh, sorry. I was in the parking lot by four and, uh, up to my tree stand by five fifteen, tore it down. You went up, tore it down and then well, set up three sticks. Yeah. Okay. Tore down the stand, tore down the camera arm, tore, tore down the sticks, moved west, right? Which is. Yep, I got the, I'm running the Assassin Reach. You and Anthony both man, have that. Compact, mobile, lightweight camera. I need to get one. It's insane. My Franken-Arm is a pile of junk. I, I freaking love I found all, all the problems with it Sunday morning. It's ugly. I don't know. It, it's made the learning curve a breeze for me. I'll say that. Cool. And uh, so tore down and moved and adjusted slightly for a northwest wind to where, because like I said, there's that draw between pop private and public. Mm-hmm. So if I had a northwest wind and it, I found it was like seven-ish mile per hour, so up on a hilltop, it's going to it's yeah, gonna blow yeah. pretty good. So I thought, 
my wind would blow over the small knob at the top of the ridge where I found the deer sign skirting around and like would just blow straight over deer if they came up off that private land, mm -hmm. especially with thermals kicking in in the morning and stuff. I was like, just with air temperature with these big slopes up there. Um, that's something I learned with morel hunting too, is like morels usually pop in like a dense area where I'm from and like together in clusters, but up here in the driftless region, those suckers pop everywhere because with mm -hmm. these hills, the temperature changes, the temperature changes like at every elevation up that slope. So like you literally have to walk up and down, up and down. So like, I really think you can cheat thermals at the, you know, tops, especially in the morning when it's picking up um, without water, just because in those draws, the temperature changes are that large. Hmm. Um, so I set up on a doe trail that would allow me to shoot that crest of that ridge um, set up and I'm, I'm cozy bef well before 6 a.m. And 6.30 rolls around and I pick up the horns and I banged them together for a good 20 yeah, seconds. Yeah, I that too. Yep, like yep. really trying to fight because um, I, I knew there was a buck in there. So I was, I, I'm trying to coax that guy up on his feet out of his bed and, you know, I, because I'm pretty close to him. I'm near the border. I'm near that private ridge. I know he can hear me. I always wait for the wind to die too. So like it can really get out there. That's why I rattle instead of just grunting to start. Um, nothing, hang the horns up, grunt twice and just sit and wait. And I was running B-roll with my GoPro around 7.30 and happened to just get done ranging that crest of that ridge. He would come up and just had a great 40 yard shooting window. And I sat down, put my range finder in the TNK pouch and, Looked back to my left, and there was movement coming up the, coming up the crest of the ridge. And usually, like since I'm did a deer you, hunter, see him first? no, I saw him first. I, uh, I get excited and I just pick up the bow and I go right in to shoot. And I put my hand on my bow and made sure to like tell myself to look back at that deer mm -hmm. and confirm because I've had some ground shrinkage and like there's nothing wrong with shooting smaller deer, but I, I just really wanted to climb that next ladder with. Um, my next year I took wherever it was and I confirmed when I looked back good g2s good g3s and I was like look that's enough I don't care if he's you know eight or order ten I'm at this point I'm shooting him and it just worked perfect he wasn't he wasn't spending time that morning I don't know if he was going out going and checking scrapes or what he was doing or if I really did coax him out but he was kind of down in the nose almost all the way down position you know about halfway and he walked right into my window and I was at full draw and it just so happens I, I hit record, but I didn't press record, so my camera didn't start rolling, but I still had the GoPro going, so I think I have the shot, but I stopped him and he looked my way, and I put one basically through his shoulder, which he turned out to be quartering to me more than I saw the deer. Like, there, those slight steps like that, you really, at 40 yards, you, it's really hard to read, but I, I just didn't anticipate that, but it, it, it bailed me that? out. Or do you have? I do run the I run the HHA Tetra single. So you, pin. Did you have that adjustment already kind of scoped out? Um, I had it scoped like out. Finder, or what did you so, do there? Did so yeah, uh, people say they have some problems. Yep. And this is where it comes down to knowing your equipment. People say they have mess ups, and I know I will too. Mm -hmm. But with that HHA, if you do your diligence and you get in the stand, you range those trees. Yes. And like already, remember because I watched him chase that deer back on that ridge. I am, I am, and I'm hunting him coming out of that ridge. So I'm like, I'm ready. So when I like saw him at like 55 ish yards coming up that trail and moving, 
and like not like walking and stepping because I might have like taken some time to look for a better lane if he was moving. Mm-hmm. So, but he was moving. So right away in my mind, I'm like roll the forty because he's coming to that window first. So I rolled the forty and I'm clipped on. You know my camera's where he's a good shot, be. man. That's, that's is that what and, you look at? Yep, yep. I that's put far in the woods. I put uh around. Well, it's far, but it's it's in a big mature flat. And right now in Wisconsin, when you get winds and you get colder weather, the leaves are off. Like I went back up there today after the snow, there's no leaves. It looks wow, like late dropped. season on Ridge Top sure. here. Um, so like it's very very open. I had no interference with my rangefinder, no interference with my arrow. And I had thought at the time I watched my fletchings disappear behind his shoulder, watched my knock disappear behind his shoulder, um, and pretty much considered him done because I really told myself I needed to focus at this point after wounding the one last week, and I just didn't want to go through that nightmare. And it just it felt good. I watched him run off, and he's running like a bat out of hell. He J-hooks, and he goes back to where he came from. And then I heard – a like I watch him for a hundred yards and by then I've now I'm turning the camera and I'm like giving my reaction to the camera, which I've learned I messed that up on kind of instead of paying better attention because I already have the GoPro on me, but I don't need my actual handy cam turned in on me at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to be following that deer better. But I swore to myself after the last one, cause I didn't move my camera, which hurt me tracking that deer that I would have that camera on that deer and make the best attempt I could to film the shot. Because when you solo hunt, like a guy like me, like there's no one to like bounce that back on. There's no one that's going to come and just be there all of a sudden in Wisconsin to be like, Oh, Hey, okay. This is how it might've went down. I I got some great people I can call out to. I'm very fortunate. Um, But I, I was just dang sure, especially hearing that crashing noise. And I, I celebrated and after time went by and I got down, I waited 45 minutes, but after time went by and I got down, I went to the impact site. I didn't see arrow. I didn't see hair. I didn't see blood. And I was like, this can't be true. Like no way it's happening again. But I I've learned very early on that like you cannot panic in these situations. And like when I'm by myself, I really try not to, but I walked that top third of that bench back and forth to where I saw that deer last and found no blood, found no hair, found no arrow, and my heart just sank. And, like, instinctively, I look up the laws because you can't in Iowa, but I'm like, can you run dogs in Wisconsin? And you can't. Yeah, we sure can. There's so an I, episode with Shane Simpson about running dogs. I, I like him for calling turkeys and shit. stuff. He's, yeah. He taught me a lot about turkey hunting, actually. And uh, What's the dog's name again? Do you remember? Callie, ain't it? Callie, yeah. yeah. Cro- Callie, Callie Chronicles. Chronicles. And, uh... Where am I? You were just about to lose your shit. And yeah, you yep, so, yep, all by myself. So I'm calling dog trackers from this ridge top way on this piece of public and not getting answers, not getting answers. Finally, I get a hold of one. And uh, I said, look, there's a possibility that this deer might have crossed a fence and went back on the private. And they explained to me that they, they wouldn't even come out um, without having permission with that possibility. So they said, why don't you go ahead and pack out of there and work on getting a hold of that landowner and getting access. So I tear the set down. I start walking out. I'm talking to everybody on my way out. So I kind of got fumbled around and walked out the wrong ridge, had to walk back. Shit. Just took longer than it was supposed to. And the, the tracker calls me back, and I'm only just now at my car. And I was like, sorry, I, I, 
I got kind of stumbled around. There's a bunch of ridges tied together up there, blah, blah, blah. She's like, okay, well, just call me back if you hear something. So I get over there, and, like, I'm expecting no one to be there because now it's a Monday. Mm-hmm. It's Monday morning, and it's not quite November yet, but it's it's good hunting in my opinion. And uh, thankfully, when I come up over the hill, there's a truck there. The guy's pumping out the well or pumping. I don't know what he's doing. There's a service truck there of some sort. And there's someone standing outside painting a gun bench. I'm like, okay, I'm at least in the chips now. Like, I got a chance. I get down there. I pull slightly in the driveway and walk up and talk to the guy. And I said, is there, is Fred around? I said, are you Fred? And he goes, no, I'm not. And he goes, or I said, uh, well, is he around? Is he going to be around today? And he goes, well, it's actually blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's not here yet but uh, he'll be here in a little bit. What can I help you with? And I, I, I explained the situation, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I was like, I want to bring a dog in. It, it's it's my best deer to date. And I'm very respectful, trying to be as nice as possible. And he said right away, he said, I'll tell you right now, you ain't bringing no effing dog on this property. Oh, shit. And I was like, huh. I was like, well, I ain't getting on this property then either with that response. And he goes, but you're lucky. If you give me some time when I finish up painting this bench, I'll call my brother. And I was like, if he approves because he owns the land, we can go up there on the UTV. You can show me how it went down. And if I can find blood going on to our property, we'll search my property. Because I'll tell you right now, we're hunting right now. We deal with a lot of, you know, trespassers. People just disrespectful, you know, they just only own the farm a handful of years. Yeah, so you've already walked into a bee's nest where yeah. they're already pretty pissed off because of everybody trusting Yeah, they just haven't had good experiences, and I really felt like I was the first person that ever came to him. He explained to me on the way up, like, people have come to him like I have to get up there on top of just to, like, read the sign and see what's going on up there. Yeah. Which I can see. Like, cause like some out of town people do whatever it takes, you know what I mean? So I completely understand their like kind of stubbornness. Yeah. I just happen to show up at the right time, like using on X and stuff like that. I, I just knew, you know, you have to act fast in those situations. I think, um, yeah. especially, you know, if I let that roll into the open afternoon, they could have been headed to the woods. They wouldn't have been at the house. Right. So I got down there 11 o'clock ish and he called his brother and he said, well, he said, this will probably never happen to you again in your life, but I'll take you up there on the UTV and you can show me how it went down. And if I find blood, um, we'll pursue. And I said, you know, I wanted to bring a dog, but that's what I have to work with at the time. Yep, so we roll with it. We go up there and we, we go up the draw that's straight in the direction where I lost sight of him running. Like if he did go up and over the ridge on private and down through the draw to die because when a deer's hurt it likes to go downhill right well we come up that draw and we don't find the deer which which makes me feel good because i i really think i killed this deer I, i'm super confident still to this point i'm not sick i know this deer's dead somewhere um and we go up that ridge and come over the ridge and he said okay you take the lead walk me to your tree stand and uh i walked into the tree i was in and showing the markings from my sticks because my tree stand's not there anymore. He goes, I was going to set up. And he goes, you walked all the way the heck up in here this morning? I said, yeah. And he goes, and I start to say I was up early. And he said, you must have been up early. <laughs> so, like, he knows what it takes. They hunt the public, too. 
and I show him how it went down, and he goes, where was he standing? How was he acting? And he takes three steps following the deer's projected path and finds my half-broken off arrow. Hmm. And I get excited, and he's like, wait, calm down. He's like, this isn't good news. He was he was a little more forward than that, actually. But <laughs> Tell me more about um, that. <laughs> yeah, these, I don't know. These guys were just, like I said, they've had bad experiences and stuff, so like they seem on. Un- unhappy to help me but they want to help me because i have no, right to be the there puzzle, on the public right? they land. want to they want to know what's the end and of the like too. if that deer is dead on the property they want it off their farm right. and like they don't want to gone before they go up in their hunting so the guy is helping me so we get up there I show him, he finds the arrow and we work the bench back and forth with which i show him my on x and he sees my tracker I kind of I kind of did lie to him and tell him I hadn't walked around and looked for blood or the first blood or the deer yet, but I had. Um, and when you don't have service on Onyx, sometimes it lags your track. And he called me out for trespassing. I told him I swear on my life. I was like, you just got Onyx. You'll learn when you use the app. Like when you're in some areas that don't have the best coverage, bouncing off satellites, like it lags your tracking. It does slightly. Like, run it during shed season all day one time. I love the app, but, like, if you retrace your steps, it's it's not to a T. That's really hard to do. Let's just be honest. Yeah, it's, um, I know all about that, but So the guy's like, look, look, I understand your story. I, You know, so far I believe your story, you know. And I was like, so we walk out, and we, we get to the fence, and we don't find any sign of the deer being dead or hurt or wounded. And I go, look, like, I'm pretty sure I heard this deer crash, like, in this vicinity. I just happen to think he crossed your fence. So I wanted to come and try and get permission because I wanted to bring a dog in on by myself. Like now that you're here, like we help me just check this draw like on public. You know, I heard it somewhere over in this direction and we took 15 steps downhill and he looked over to his right and he goes, well, there he is right there, dead or crap. Like, been <laughs> dead the whole time. It's like he he expired at like 732 or whatever, two minutes after I put one Perfect. through him. But like he said, when he found the arrow, there wasn't going to be a track job because half my arrow was gone. And not with um, the what? other half. So he's like, he's not going to bleed at all. You didn't puncture through the other side. You must have hit bone and bone on both sides because right. I shoot a he- heavy setup. And usually mine zips through, you know, zips through deer. And uh, thankfully it did, in my opinion. Honestly, I'll probably shoot the shoulder way more than anybody really ever talks about. I got a buddy that calls me and now again after this deer we were talking about again he said would you would you do it would you do it and it's like dude i think i'm doing it more honestly like um i don't know there's something about demobilizing that animal as well as hitting vitals because things can get pretty scary if you tuck in that triangle pretty tight you stand a really good chance of of hitting what you need to hit but if you're too far forward one you're going to glance a bone two you're going to probably get into no man's land right in front of most of the stuff but so like what we talk about especially with them quartering twos i guess or slightly quarter twos i mean even broadside if you're not too far forward in that show and you've got an arrow built for it because i believe if someone had like a 400 grain setup they would not have like no. hit the vitals on this deer because i was slightly through the top of his shoulder and then hit the opposite rib bone but he didn't bleed until five foot before his bed and then you could see where he leaned over on a tree before he fell down. And, yeah, he was piled up, and I was ecstatic. I freaked. I couldn't believe it. I thought he was joking when he told me. And hmm. I was just pumped. I was just jacked. And he was – I told him, I was like, like, this is all the help I need. Thank you. And he goes, well, how the hell are you, 
I told him I was going to quarter it out and pack it out on the frame pack capabilities of my tree stand. He goes, no, don't be silly. He goes, you're a young stout. He said, gut the thing, drag it to the top of the ridge. He's like, I got to walk all the way down and get the UTV anyways. He's like, I'll pull up and around. So I'm nice like, come, come full circle. The guy was really, really, really nice to me. And on the way down, he was just like, make sure you go out of your way. Um, and thank my brother, you know, for allowing you to access the property. So I walk in and I try to thank his brother. And he was actually like, he just said, yeah, 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 the whole time. And kind of denied my first initial handshake. And uh, when I was walking out, he told me, he said, I want, I, he looked at me and he said, I want that ranger washed up before you leave. I said, yes, sir, absolutely. I'll do that right away. And I, I stuck my hand out like when he offered that opportunity to me and shook my hand then and told him I was, you know, thank you. I'm very appreciative. Um, so got that cleaned up for him. And then when he figured out, I probably wouldn't be coming back to Wisconsin because, you know, I think I've taken a Pope and Young from up here now and I'm off to a different state and might go to another state this year if it all works out. Um, they opened up to me quite a bit, actually. I, I got him a couple cases of beer for helping me out, but uh, they they brought me in the cabin and actually showed me the deer's father and it's 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 a stud. It went booner, and cool. with a 16 inch spread, so that's got to tell you a lot. But tall thing. It just goes to goes to show like what being respectful and doing the right thing can do. Um, I I think I could have you and me both recovered that sense, deer. Man. Doing the right thing is always yeah. the right thing, man. Yep. I know that. And and by the way, Elijah uh, just commented real quick. He said he wouldn't be trying for shoulder shots. Deer coming a long way in three legs. I think. What Connor's saying with the setup with 400 grains, I think you're shooting ethics archer ethic. Well, I, I'm you, five. Going well, I'm five twenty. I know I'm going through the first shoulder. And you know, the vitals, right? And the and is the, important here. Byron Horton, they talk about it a lot over on that white tail experience. That mature buck, you have to shoot the first shot he gives you. Yep. And he was my deer was coming up this ridge that would he would eventually if my, that wind died, like definitely like winded me. So I shot him before and it happened to be slightly quartering too but that's why i learned the importance of building a proper arrow after shouldering a deer in indiana only getting three inches of penetration i went to a fixed four blade um yeah and i have almost two 245 grains up okay. front of that setup so i don't think you dial that shit in pretty straightforward just normal yeah i mean you shoot a lot there's all the target at the campsite there, there's different levels to it right like i don't bear shaft tune and stuff like that mm. which i i think i probably will next year because you really build when you have the time an incredible arrow yeah when you bear bear shaft tune what's that mean and then fletch it's when you no. strip your fletching no strip yeah, oh, yeah strip fletchings you're shooting yeah, that thing you're, you're watching the, if it's going knock left yep. knock right lifting so then what happens when you put the fletchings back on what the fuck does that do well you have you're understanding the weight the yeah and, the and you're adding more arrow. more weight to the rear of the, of the arrow you guys saw that with me at uh whale tail mm -hmm. my arrow was doing this it was, it was jogging knock, thing it was knocking hard my buddy dustin works down there it's a good place so we like it. It's close here, so probably but yeah, the role, but. I'm I don't know. Very fortunate. It was an unreal morning, kind of with a roller coaster ride, which I hate roller coasters, man. Always did as a kid, but <laughs> the roller coaster ride of bow hunting, I will love forever. Much more For enjoyable. Sure. You know what you're doing. What I'm fascinated about most is I'm looking at you. I'm hearing you talk. I'm watching how you do things. I watch you in the woods when we went out. 
I'm really, ha- I'm really happy I had the opportunity to do that with you because I had you on the show before as a caller. You, you called in, we had you on the show, it was great. And then to go out with you in the woods, have you here in person, go through the story. The most intriguing part about your story, I'm talking to the mic, so I'm just not going to look at you, um, is that you came into this 2016, it's a mere three years later-ish, and you've sunk your soul into this. And you're a smart guy, your ability to quickly understand how deer behave, how they react, how to read wind, how to read terrain, where the pitch points are. You've done more in a short period of time than most hunters have done <clears throat> in several years. You have, you have a bit of a talent here. This isn't just hard work. It's a little bit of that, but like you understand things really, really well. I mean, I, I don't know, Greg, you must well, agree with me. Like you're seeing yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing real well. And you got to admit too, that technology has shortened the learning curve up. Yep. I mean, I'm a podcast hunter for yeah, sure. You can podcast, you yeah. can look, you can watch YouTube videos where let's be honest, when you and I were growing up, YouTube wasn't a thought, you know, podcasting, what's that? So you can, you have a lot of information right at your fingertips because we're in the age of technology. I don't think talent really has anything to do with it, to be honest. I think it's time when it all, I've sacrificed a lot of stuff. Like I said, I, I don't fall into the societal pressure where I shouldn't be living at my folks as a 29 year old um, because I have bigger important things yeah to fix than dealing with you know the thoughts of living as an own because i feel like i should be somewhere and uh yeah so like it's that it's moving home it's taking time off it's i don't know neglecting student loan debt and having poor credit like um i don't have it like i said i don't have any money in the savings but i think when you have the time like i have and when I first learned about quartering winds from Clark Cummings, like that's when I really started understanding deer and seeing way more deer. So now I'm the guy that goes out and tries to cover every part of every piece right away and take in its sign. And then, cause when I go in there or when I'm in there hunting, I, I cheat like winds hard, like really hard. Um, like with thermals and stuff, I'll give them, if they're going to come above me, I'll give them a southwest wind in the morning if it's going to be light, you know, because it's not going to, if they're up on the ridge of me, it's not going to be blowing directly down to them. That thermal is going to kick and work or vice versa, you know, below you Mm -hmm. in the morning. If you have a north wind, that deer could still go below you. So this is the stuff I'm talking about. This is the level of understanding that you've gained in a short amount of time that other people are like. I've just tested. You know what I'm saying? Well, this is a big deal. Like, yeah. You give yourself some credit here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I just, I don't think I'm anything special at all. I just. I don't think you're anything special. Have the time. Yeah. A big fucking ego over here. I no, I'm <laughs> not trying to, but I just have the time and I love it. I, you know, my like my job probably hates me because I didn't show up to the first half of the day on Friday. I was supposed to show up too, but I don't know. I got bow hunting has allowed me to progress personally in life more than just in bow hunting that like I find it important. I have, I have some things working in the background where I'm trying to go away from like the pressure of a nine to five income 
mm-hmm. and like just live kind of off the map, low key, low grid. Like I have student loan debt. Yes, it'd be nice to make those payments, but like when it comes down to it, I've got like a cell phone bill and a car payment. So I think I could live for pretty cheap mm-hmm. and uh, do some great things for conservation and uh, taking care of public lands. Absolutely, man. Is this your most memorable hunt to date, do you think? Yes, by far. I'd ask the question, what's your most memorable hunt, but I'm, we just heard it. It's already summed up. Yeah, it's. it was a heck of a hunt. I don't know. I, I want to thank um, everyone that's involved and everyone that's believed in me thus far. A big shout-out to Kirk Iron, the working-class bow hunter. Um, they believed in me very early on and kind of kind of helped progress me and find where I feel like I should have been all along, you know. Cool, man. So We're happy to have you. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me on, guys. Uh, it was for, great thanks to for making the come on over. over. I, yeah. feel, I feel so good. Here you, it could be the booze. That too. I think it's just the, the tacos. Po- the positivity. Yeah, that's why I keep kind of belching. The tacos, Same, the tacos like were so belches. good, though. The smell in the room right now is, you know, um, meat. meat. Yeah, you've got a lovely home, and you two are both great guys. So, Greg, it was a pleasure to meet you for the first yeah. time. Um, no callers. Does anybody again. want – so, real quick, we'll, we'll open up. We'll, we'll take, like, a couple minutes. So I'll just give you guys a, a couple of seconds here. If, if anybody has some questions for Connor – um, you know, the, the phone number's on the screen. Go ahead and give us a jingle real quick. I'll hang out for a couple minutes here. Um, you know, other than that, if I don't see a call come through, I'll, I'll end the show. But, you know, huge shout-out to Connor for coming this way. It, he took a trek to be here. Um, he's, you know, all the way out in Iowa, and he came from the western part of Wisconsin, you know, over in Richland Center. So, you know, thank you, man. Yeah, thanks for burning yeah, the gas. Thank come you. Come up here and come see our ass. It was a lot of fun. At least I could do to give you some beer and some food and some yeah. coffee. I don't know. It feels like being home for once in four days or what, four and a half days or whatever it's been. So it does feel good, but mm-hmm. the work's not done yet. I still got to get home and actually, my Papa. my vacuum sealer crapped out on me. Gosh, oh, man. So I had no way to package him. So he's just layered in my cooler, separated by like a vacuum seal roll. Get them home, get them all packaged up if you're waiting for Yeah, I mean, for results, this, make sure you mark those packages. Yeah, I'm going to mark mark the packages, but at this point, it's pretty cold. I think the meat's going to be just It'll be fine. okay. So it's probably going to sit till tomorrow night, to be honest. If you got it on ice and that cooler yeah. doesn't get opened, you'll be fine. I think even without it, honestly, with the cold temps, yeah, to be honest, like, yeah. it's highs of 40s. Like, I don't know. That's yeah. why That's why I love venison, too. It's, it's just a durable meat. I don't know. It's kind of like aging it right now. Yep. I hate to do it this way, but I didn't really anticipate that or prepare for that, which I thought about it numerous times last year. I've got paper and like saran wrap packaging that I did before I had a vacuum sealer, and I need to throw that in the Subaru next the Drifter the Drifter Motel next time I take off. So we we hunted the Driftless area. We what what do we call it? Drifting in the Driftless with With the the Drifter? Drifter. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds all right. Give me a thumbs up if that's what you like. So, oh, cool. cool guys. Hey, we're going to end the show. Uh, this will be up in podcast land tonight. You know, my job here is to pr- produce this thing. So, uh, stand by. We're going to, we're going to take this thing offline and then, uh, I think this will be up by midnight or something. So have a good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Good night. Okay, tip of the week. 
The tip of the week this week isn't a tip at all, and it almost rarely ever is, so I should probably start to think about calling this something else, but I like the comedy of it. So Connor had mentioned a couple of things. He mentioned the term prevailing wind and quartering wind. So I wanted to take a second to clarify some things because we use these terms as hunters um, when we understand something so well and take for granted that maybe some of us might not understand those things, some of us being the okayest hunter in the room. A prevailing wind is a wind from the direction that is predominant at a particular place or season. It means some other things too as it relates to the Earth's surface, etc., but that's not what we're talking about. We're not going that scientific here. So a prevailing wind is just predominant at that particular place. So what is the predominant wind? And then he had mentioned um, one of the biggest things he had learned recently to really give him an advantage in the woods is quartering wind. And that's interesting to me because um, at some point in time in my past, I learned how to sail sailboats, which is interesting because we learned about points of sail and how you would fill a sail with wind based on those points of sail. Now, a quartering wind seems very similar to me and it's something that it seems to be used in aviation there's your flank wind your quartering wind your tailwind and your headwind and so a quartering wind when i think about it now that i'm looking at it is wind coming in from an angle and so if you think about a buck he could either be walking into the wind or with his wind to his back um, or quartering it coming at it from a uh, angle right was that 45 degrees so from what I understand, quartering winds uh, are going to be used for scent checking and things of that nature. Now, this is where I get out of my depth of what I know. And so my tip of the week is to maybe a homework assignment, research some of these things, look at pictures of quartering wind, prevailing wind, and start to think if you can reverse engineer where the buck bedding is, where the food is, you might be able to at least improve your hunt incrementally to understand some of these things and start to experiment and play around with what it looks like. Now, I know there's a pretty wide spectrum of listeners in terms of new to hunting, beginner, intermediate, as well as seasoned. So the guests that I have on um, come in all ranges and topics, etc. cetera. Um, I try to learn as much as I can from every guest and then take these learnings into the woods and apply them. My biggest improvements came last season when I applied the last year of knowledge of podcasting. Um, and that takeaway for me then was water. And uh, Connor talked about that too, as far as where deer can cross things. So um, big changes in terrain uh, where deer can cross things, such as water, rivers, creeks, things like that. And then wind. And not just how you can use wind to your advantage, but thinking about it holistically as far as where you're sitting, where they're betting, if you can understand some of those things and you can understand where they're betting based on terrain, et cetera, and food. Um, there's just so many variables and so many things going on, so we can only apply certain things. Um, you can't boil the ocean, right? So try one thing, see where it gets you, iterate, try another thing, see where it gets you, and, and keep fine-tuning your process to see how you can make those incremental improvements to get closer and close that gap to the bigger bucks that you might be targeting. So my tip of the week is if anybody can help me understand um, prevailing and quartering winds and how you use that to your advantage, I'm open to learn. I'm trying to learn right now as I'm talking through this. Um, I'm going to have to do a whiteboard session or something, but that's my tip of the week. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, you know, if you want to give us a review and a rating on iTunes, it means a ton to me. I appreciate it. I saw a couple more come through. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Um, I love seeing that stuff and it certainly helps, you know, get more people listening. If you want to share the episode with some friends, relatives, um, you know, deer hunting season for gun is right around the corner. So it could be fun to listen to for deer camp. We're going to be doing a, where are you going? What are you taking segment, um, leading into that in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. And I'd love your participation now that we have, you know, uh, regular cadence of every Tuesday, call and show, et cetera. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's all I got for everybody today. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your night. Whenever you listen to this, your walk, your car ride, your dog walk, your run, your gym session, wherever you listen, your day at work. Have a great day, everybody in Hunt Public.